Fatigue. It is the one side effect of cancer that everyone experiences to some extent. But it's important to remember that cancer-related fatigue is different to everyday tiredness. Your body is using up a whole heap of energy to actually fight it and the cancer cells and your normal cells are still working. You're having fatigue from any medication that you might be taking. And the treatment itself, so radiation, chemo, surgery, hormone therapy, they all can cause fatigue. Most of the time, the cancer treatments are designed to attack the cancer cells, but at the same time, they also attack your healthy cells. So when you're having treatment, your body's working really, really hard to try and repair the damage that's being done from that treatment. I'm Penny Johnston, a fellow cancer survivor, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast about fatigue. Cancer fatigue can leave you feeling exhausted, overwhelmed and at the end of your tether. Because without an understanding of this specific fatigue, you can run the risk of making it worse or even ignoring important warning signs your body might be sending you. In this podcast from the Cancer Survivor Guide series, we're going to take a look at fatigue and cancer. Find out what's causing it whether it might be the cancer or the treatment, and why some of the ways you might have battled with tiredness in the past might not work in the context of having cancer, and how you can work with your tired body to make sure you have the energy to make it through your treatment to life after cancer. Now, when it comes to dealing with fatigue, an occupational therapist can be just the person you're looking for. My name's Kelsey Morecambe and I'm an occupational therapist at Ballarat Health Services and I work in Brick and I work in Baroque as well, so our oncology services in Ballarat. Occupational therapy is sometimes a difficult profession to explain to people. A lot of the time you'll introduce yourself and say, oh, I'm an occupational therapist and they'll be like, oh, like a physio. And I'll be like, no, not quite. So what we do is we work with people around their occupations or their daily activities. So just your general day-to-day tasks, things like getting showered, getting dressed, getting out and about and doing the things that you want to do, the things that you enjoy doing, so any hobbies and leisure activities as well. So that's what we're really interested in for people. Tell me how occupational therapists work with people undergoing a cancer treatment. We'll get referrals from a whole heap of different people. So they'll come from the oncologist, sometimes they come from the GP, any other allied health professionals working with people. When they've flagged that people are having issues with their daily activities, so getting up, getting dressed, getting organised, managing household tasks, doing the things that they want to be able to do with their day. If they're having side effects or symptoms from their treatment, so things particularly like fatigue, that will usually flag a referral to OT so that we can support them to keep doing the things that they want to be able to do with their day. Do a lot of cancer patients take advantage of seeing an OT? Yes, <laughs> we're very busy in OT. We're only there a day and a half. We do get a lot of referrals from different areas and we do have a little bit of a wait list, unfortunately, but that's why running groups and things like that is really useful. The main thing that you would see people for is fatigue. It's certainly one of the most common reasons that we'll get a referral to see someone. So fatigue is a really, really common side effect from treatment or from the cancer itself. A lot of the time we get referrals to see people because the fatigue impacts upon how they manage their day-to-day activities. What is it that actually causes fatigue when you're getting treated for cancer? So a lot of the times the fatigue can be from the cancer itself. Your body is using up a whole heap of energy to actually fight it and the cancer cells and your normal cells are still working. You're having fatigue from any medication that you might be taking 
And the treatment itself, so radiation, chemo, surgery, hormone therapy, they all can cause fatigue. Most of the time, the cancer treatments are designed to attack the cancer cells, but at the same time, they also attack your healthy cells. So when you're having treatment, your body's working really, really hard to try and repair the damage that's being done from that treatment. So side effects such as your pain, nausea, insomnia, low red blood cell count or anemia can also cause fatigue. A lot of the time, fatigue is yet one of your most common side effects that you get from your treatment. It's actually interesting that low-level symptom like pain can actually also make you fatigued as well. Yeah, it certainly can. So pain is certainly something that contributes often to fatigue and it can be the pain itself and the energy that your body is using to try and counteract that or to deal with that. But also sometimes the pain medication that you take can have fatigue as a side effect too. Does everybody who's getting a cancer treatment experience fatigue? As I said, it's one of the most common side effects, but certainly not everybody experiences it. So it's going to depend on what your diagnosis is, what type of treatment you're having and how your body's responding to that treatment. Luckily there are some people that will sail through relatively well through their whole course of treatment and there are other people that will start and be really struggling straight up. It depends on the type of treatment too so sometimes you'll have your radiation therapy for example and that will be okay and you'll be able to manage that quite all right without any significant side effects and then you might start some chemo and that really knocks you around so it's kind of really dependent on the person and what's happening for them. How are you able to tackle fatigue? A lot of the times we talk to people about some of the energy conservation strategies, we talk about the boom and bust cycle and we talk about the P's as well. So P's are really good in looking at tackling fatigue so these are your planning your pacing prioritizing and your posture as well so they're kind of the general things that we would look at with people we look at different fatigue management strategies either in a one-to-one session or sometimes we look at them in a group session too which is really useful because then you get to have a chat to other people who are experiencing the same thing that you are out in the real world without cancer, if you experienced fatigue that was a little bit out of the ordinary, you'd, you'd push through. Fatigue might be that you're pushing yourself a bit harder. It's not necessarily a bad symptom, but if you're undergoing a cancer treatment, you need to pay a bit more attention to fatigue. You certainly do. So when you're feeling quite well and you're feeling quite healthy normally, if you're a little bit tired, like you said, you would just kind of push through and keep going. We don't want you to do that if you've got cancer or if you're undergoing treatment because that's when people tend to get stuck in that boom and bust cycle. So that's when if you're having a good day and you do too much or you kind of go overboard, then the next day you really pay for it or by the end of that day you're really struggling. So we want to try and avoid that where possible, which is why if you've got cancer or if you're having treatment, it's really important that you you look after yourself and that you don't overdo it and you try and use those pacing strategies and the planning to try and even things out a little bit. Although, on the other hand, we have spoken to people before about exercise and staying fit and trying to maintain as healthy a lifestyle as as possible. I mean, how do you step between that line of, you know, I feel terrible, but I know I'll feel better if I exercise, but then if I exercise, I feel worse. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty fine line to tread, isn't it? It's a really fine line. It's really all about balance. And a lot of the time we start talking to people about exercise and we might get a little bit of an eye roll (laughs) because it's the last thing that you probably feel like doing if you're having a really hard time. But exercise is actually the most beneficial thing to do 
prior to your treatment and also during your treatment to help to combat that fatigue. So what we look at talking about with people is about 20 to 30 minutes of moderate exercise. So that can be something like walking. It can be something like spending time in your garden. It can be doing something that you really enjoy doing rather than making it a bit of a chore. And using that time to actually help to maintain your activity level is the most beneficial thing to counteract fatigue. One of the things I found really hard was making my bed. It was just, I don't know why it was just like changing the sheets was an almost impossible task when I was in the middle of treatment. But you're saying that I couldn't do that, but maybe I should have gone for a walk. How do you pick which ones or why is going for a walk better than trying to push through and make your bed? So it's really about what's important to you. So what are your priorities? What do you want to be able to do and what makes you feel better? So a lot of the time we talk about tasks that are energising or tasks that are important. So going for a walk might be something that's really important to you because you can do it with a friend or you can do it with a family member. You can have a bit of a chat and afterwards you'll find yourself feeling really energised and a little bit revived. Making the bed is a lot of the times a bit of a chore (laughs) and it's not necessarily the priority in the day. So if it's not a priority, we have a chat to people about does it really need to be done? Does it really matter if the sheets aren't tucked in? Is it something that you can ask somebody else to do? Do you have a partner? Do you have a child? Do you have anybody else that you can kind of contract that work out to if it's not something that's important to you? And then you can save your energy that you would have spent making the bed and use it on something that's going to make you feel better. That's going to yield some results. Absolutely. Okay. Well, it sounds like we should talk about the P's <laughs> because they sound like a very good and useful way for people to work out how best to spend the energy for the, the best results. Certainly. So the P's are really important. We talk about planning, we talk about pacing, we talk about prioritising, and then we talk about posture. So posture is one of my favorites posture the motto is if you can sit to do it sit to do it so we talk about getting showered and using a shower chair to sit down to do the task sitting on the edge of the bed to get yourself dried and to get yourself dressed sitting at the table or sitting up at the bench to chop up your veggies or to start preparing a meal using a stool in the kitchen to sit down while you're washing the dishes or while you are cooking a meal sitting takes up so much less energy than standing and it's one of the best ways to help to to save some of that energy for the things that you actually enjoy doing. You're just reminding me, my grandmother said that uh, only loose women sat down to wash the dishes. (laughs) (laughs) And it is, a lot of the time, it's really about changing the way that you approach a task and changing how you think about things. So pre-cancer, it might have been so important to have everything spick and span in the house. Everything had to be tidy. The bed had to be made every day. The sheets had to be fully tucked in. There was never allowed to be dishes on the sink. Once you start that treatment journey and once your whole life is revolving around appointments, you've got to prioritise. You've got to learn to let some things go so that you can make time to actually look after yourself. Yeah, it is a really good time to do perhaps an emotional cull. You don't need to spend time with those energy-sucking people and maybe it is time to let the garden go a little. Absolutely. And it's really interesting the the emotional side of things. So dealing with fatigue and dealing with cancer, the emotions that come with that are huge. So lots of time people feel sad, they feel worried, they feel anxious, they feel stressed, they feel frustrated. And these are all emotions that actually take up a whole heap of energy too. So a lot of the times there is an emotional component to your fatigue as well as the physical and then the mental side of things as well. Yeah, that makes it really tough. So you've got to be pretty proactive in 
planning for your day and um, making sure that you've, you've got some positive emotional components in it as well. Give me some more Ps. So planning is probably the next one. So when we're talking about planning, we're talking about having a look at your appointments, having a look at what you have to be doing with your day, what absolutely has to be done and making sure that you've got some some time allocated to have a rest as well. So if you know that you're going to have appointments every day at 9am for your treatment, then making sure that later in the day you've blocked out some time to have a rest or to have a little bit of downtime to kind of counteract that. As well, if you've got a day booked in where you've got a couple oncology appointments or you've got a catch up with a friend or you know you've got to get the groceries done, that's going to be a really busy day. So looking at the day prior to that and the day after that, and making sure that they're a little bit quieter and, again, that you're blocking out that rest time like you would block out an appointment. Write it in your calendar, set a reminder in your phone, putting things in place to kind of prompt you to take the rests when you're going to need them. Wow, that's so sensible. I didn't do any of that, but it would have been really helpful. We are all about function and practicality. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the next P that we would look at is pacing. So this is another one that we kind of talk about in the context of that boom and bust cycle. So pacing is around doing a little bit of an activity every day rather than doing it all at once. So an example of this would be doing the gardening. So allocating 20 minutes each morning when you're feeling quite good to go out into the garden, pull a couple weeds, trim a couple things and get that done and then coming back inside and having a little bit of a rest. So this is a way to approach it instead of doing it all on Monday morning, for example, and then being wiped out Monday afternoon and probably most of Tuesday as well. Doing a little bit each day. By the end of the week, you've still got the same outcome. The garden still looks nice, but you haven't wiped yourself out for a day and a half. Another example is vacuuming. Vacuuming the house is a really common... That is a pit. (laughs) Yes, it is a huge task and it can be something that sucks a whole heap of energy as well because it's actually really physical. So you're having to stand up, you're having to move around the whole house, you're moving your arms a lot and you're kind of dragging this vacuum around the house as well. Doing one room at a time is often a really good way to tackle it. So you'll do your bedroom one day, you'll do the bathroom the next day, you'll do the lounge room, the next day and again like with the gardening by the end of the week you've got the same outcome the house is all fully vacuumed but you haven't wiped yourself out for the whole entire day. I'm sort of wondering as well if there's because I know that there are some community supports that you could possibly it's worth asking at your hospital or your doctors to see whether there's maybe you could get a a cleaner come in or if you could afford it it's something that perhaps is possibly worth more than the money that you would pay for it. Having a cleaner would be worth its weight in gold. So things like making the bed, things like vacuuming the house, cleaning the bathroom, those tasks that are really energy demanding, outsource them if you possibly can. So getting somebody else in to do them because they're not necessarily the main priority for you, but it's still something that you would like to keep on top of, then getting somebody else to do it where you can and delegating is always a really good way to try and tick those things off the list, but without overdoing it yourself. And I think that you need to make it very clear in your mind that you are fighting a disease, that your body needs all the help that it can get. It does not need to be spending its energy on bleaching the toilet. 
yeah, definitely. Bleaching their toilet is probably not a priority, but it looking after, well, it might be for some people, but looking after yourself, being really yeah. kind to yourself and listening to your body too. If your body is telling you that it's tired, then it's probably time to have a rest. And a rest doesn't necessarily always mean a sleep. A rest can mean having a sit. It can mean reading a book. It can mean having a cup of tea, calling a friend, doing something that, again, is you're not physically exhausting your body but you're still doing some level of activity and you're doing something that you enjoy doing as well and it's about that balance and that balance is the thing that's really tricky to kind of find which is why it's really useful to have an OT on board to really sit down and have a look at your day have a look at what's important to you have a look at what you really want to be able to do and keep some of those recommendations in the back of your mind around doing some physical activity, around putting the planning and the pacing strategies in place and stopping yourself from getting stuck in that boom and bust cycle as well. Your priority might be making incredibly healthy meals or making sure that the the fridge is really well stocked or changing to shopping online and, and spending the time to make sure that that's correct. Yep, certainly. Shopping online is probably one of the best things that you can put in place. And it also, having the fridge fully stocked is really important. So a lot of the times when we're talking about preparing for treatment or preparing for your cancer journey, putting some strategies in place nice and early, knowing that things are probably going to get harder, they're going to get a little bit trickier, you're probably going to have some symptoms and some side effects that make doing what you would usually do or doing what you want to do a little bit trickier. So getting yourself kind of organised and prepared going into your treatment is always a really good idea. One of the things that really is hard to come to terms with when you are undergoing cancer treatment, particularly for chemotherapy, is how you feel when you're actually sick. Because it's a different experience, which is one of the reasons why you're asked to take your temperature quite frequently. Because when you are actually sick, you don't feel normal sick, but the fatigue is phenomenal. And so sometimes if you are caught with a really unexplained amount of fatigue, that is definitely important to get checked up. And I feel like chemo is one of the ones where it's really tricky. A lot of the times when you're going to be starting chemo, you'll take a course of steroids prior. So you'll actually be feeling really good coming into your chemo. You'll have a bit of a buzz and you'll feel really energised. And then you'll have to stop taking the steroids and then you'll start taking your chemo drugs and it will knock you out. And like you said, you're going to feel really different. So the, the normal signs that something else might be going on may not necessarily be there, which is why it's really important that you do have those regular catch-ups and check-ins to make sure that there's not an infection, to make sure that your blood cell count isn't out of whack and to make sure that something else isn't contributing to your fatigue because a lot of the times it's not just the cancer or it's not just the treatment. There's so many different factors that can impact upon your fatigue, which is why it's really important that people talk about it, that you tell your oncologist, that you tell your GP, that you tell your support people that you're having fatigue to check in to make sure that you're okay and that there's nothing else happening. It is unfortunately quite common that people will feel that way. And if you're not checking in and if you're not asking for help, things can go unpicked up 
or they might get missed and that's when you can come into really big troubles and keeping in check of kind of what's normal for you because even when you're feeling fatigued there's going to be a level that is kind of a, a little bit constant or that kind of feels like the normal level of fatigue which is obviously going to be different to what your previous level of fatigue is so noticing any changes in what's kind of happening is really important in the past your cure for fatigue was probably to get a really good night's sleep but if you're undergoing cancer treatment sometimes that can be tricky and it and it can be the drugs, it can be your mental state. Sleep is sometimes very elusive when you're extremely tired. Absolutely. And it's important to note that fatigue is different to just being tired. So previously, if you were experiencing what you might have thought was fatigue, it's probably because you've had a really busy day or you've done a really big workout or the kids have kept you up all night or something else has happened. So you're tired. And generally, if you're tired, that resolves with sleep. So sleep will cure that essentially. When you've got fatigue, particularly cancer-related fatigue, your sleep doesn't necessarily cure it, but it certainly does help. So you're right in saying there are so many different factors that come into play to impact upon your sleep. It can be the cancer itself. It can be the treatment and the side effects, nausea or pain or something else that's happening. It can be the stress and the worry and the anxiety and the other things that your body is trying to process and deal with. So there's lots of different things that can impact upon your sleep. Also changes to bladder and bowel habits, all kinds of things come into play. So sleep is certainly an, an activity or an occupation. So it's something that OTs will support people with as well. A lot of the times what we talk about when we're, when we're chatting to people about sleep is sleep hygiene, which sounds like a bit of a funny term, but essentially what we're talking about is putting some strategies in place to try and maintain your sleep and to try and get the best night rest that you possibly can. So we'll talk to people about going to bed at the same time every night and trying to get up at the same time every day, trying not to actually be in bed for kind of more than seven to nine hours because generally what you're aiming for is eight hours of sleep. If you're spending more time in bed than what you're actually sleeping, then your brain has a really hard time associating bed with sleep or with rest. So it's useful that if you're not sleeping, to not be in bed as much as possible. Another thing that's really important to, t to talk to people about is limiting your screen time or using a blue light filter. So a lot of the times if you're, if you're stressed or if you're worried or if you're having trouble getting to sleep, the first thing you kind of reach for is your phone or the iPad or you pop the tally on. But that's actually something that impacts upon your sleep more than you might think. So screens have got blue lights in them and they impact your body's ability to release your sleep hormones which then stops you from getting to sleep and stops you from staying asleep as well so trying to limit that screen time and keeping the, the tvs and the computers and things out of the bedroom is really important too so keeping the bedroom kind of for sleep and then other activities in other areas of the house yeah i've heard that it's really there's some more work that's being done on actually getting outside during the day so your brain gets some of that natural light that also helps you get to sleep. That gives your body that really clear, this is daytime, we're outside, the sun is shining, the lights are on, I'm awake. And then when you're having a rest and when you're going to bed at night, the lights are off. You're not having lights in your face. So then your, your brain is making that connection. Oh, it's dark. It's time to go to sleep. It is a serious enough thing that if you are having trouble sleeping, this you do need to speak up about it. You need to talk to your doctors. If it's pain, whether 
the drugs they're giving you, the steroids, they're horrible for making you, you sleep unsettled. But also if there are emotional things that you're worried about too, again, it just don't be quiet about it. There's, there's things that can help. So this is where you really, you're in charge of that part of it. Your treating team don't have psychic powers, unfortunately. They can guess what might be a symptom, but unless you say... That's it. And generally, we'll screen for things. So we'll ask people, are you having trouble with this? Is this tricky? What's going on here? But if we're not getting the information, then we can't help you. And sleep is certainly one of those things where it's often not talked about. And the same with fatigue. It's kind of accepted, oh, I know that I'm going to be tired or I know that I'm going to have trouble sleeping. So it's kind of just brushed over, but it is actually really significant and the flow on effects from it are quite large too. So it's really important to speak up and get the help that you need. If you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling worried and that's what's contributing to your fatigue or that's what's impacting on your sleep, there are so many strategies, there are so many supports, there are so many people that can help with that to work through some of the relaxation, the mindfulness, meditation, yoga. There's a lot of evidence around those types of activities to reduce some of that stress and worry and that's going to help your sleep as well. I know a lot of people complain that they have control taken away from them during cancer treatment. And that's true. We are told what to what to eat, what time to turn up, what drugs we have to take and all those sorts of things. But there is a level that you're talking about now where you you are responsible for this and, and you can make your cancer treatment much more effective by being in control. Being proactive in approaching your cancer treatment is really important. So being prepared and that's going to give you so much more control over what's happening. So if you've got strategies, if you've got a toolkit, if you've got an idea of some things that you can put in place, if you experience fatigue or if you have trouble with sleeping or if something else is happening, then you're in control of that. It's You've got ownership over that. So certainly when we talk to people about fatigue and their cancer journey, we're not considered the experts at all. The, the person with cancer, the person who's undergoing treatment, you're the expert. You know what's happening for you. We can suggest things and come up with some of the evidence, but it's really about you putting it into play and taking control over what's happening. So chemotherapy is one of the tougher treatments that people will have to go through. It is tough. I mean, it's basically one of the few treatments that we have for cancer. One of the things that makes cancer cells stand out is that they divide really quickly. And so a lot of chemotherapy is targeting all the cells that divide really quickly. And so that sort of means your hair cells, it means your gut cells, and it means the chemotherapy. So there's sort of a lot of body functions that are impacted by chemo. And yeah, it is a tough, tough one because it takes a lot of energy for your body to to work on all those those cells and they're being told to stop. It is really tricky. And one of the things with chemo and most other treatments too is that they target your healthy cells as well as targeting the cancer cells. So then your body is trying to work really hard to repair all of those cells while you're having the treatment, which saps up a huge amount of energy and that's I guess where some people really struggle cognitively as well so they might have changes to their thinking changes to their memory changes to problem solving and planning and you know just working through day-to-day tasks so that can be partly because of the chemo so some of the drugs and some of the treatments that people have do have an impact on how your brain works and how it thinks about things But also your fatigue, you're having chemo, you're having treatment, you have cancer, you're going to be tired. 
and that impacts then upon your memory, it impacts upon your thinking and all of those types of things that come with it. A lot of people do talk about chemo brain being a thing. I don't know if it was that much different to what they also call mummy brain when you're up all night feeding and, and trying to settle a baby. But yeah, is it is it caused by the fatigue or is it the drugs sometimes? It's kind of a combination of both. So there's no kind of specific cause for your chemo brain. They haven't identified one thing that's contributing to it. There's certainly a lot of evidence that suggests that some of the drugs are impacting upon your brain but also fatigue comes into play. So when we talk about fatigue, a lot of the time we talk about physical fatigue, but there's also the mental fatigue or the cognitive fatigue, as well as the emotional fatigue that's happening too. So it's not just about physical, cognitive fatigue is certainly a thing and that's often referred to by people as chemo brain or the chemo fog or the cloud. There's lots of different names for it and it sort of impacts you know, things like remembering people's names, remembering dates or birthdays, remembering appointments, remembering to take your car keys with you when you leave the house. So it has a lot of flow on effects as well, which can be really tricky for some people to deal with. Now, one of the, the great things that you guys offer is a course called Fed Up With Fatigue. What are you teaching people in that course? So the Fed Up With Fatigue course is something that we run every second month. And it's a group program, which is about to go online, which is very exciting. So in that group program, we sit down and have a lot of open discussions about, you know, what causes fatigue, what's happening specifically for each person, what are their symptoms, what are their side effects, what are the things that they'd like to do that they can't manage. And then we talk about some of the strategies to kind of counteract that. So we talk a lot about energy conservation, we talk about the boom and bust cycle, we talk about all the P's and how to actually practically put them into place. The group program is really great because it gives people an opportunity to talk to other people who are undergoing the same thing that they are. So they're having treatment, they have cancer, they're having the same issues with fatigue as everybody else in the room. So it's really nice to get an idea about what other people have tried, what other people have found useful and how they can try and use some of those things. So my favourite part about the group program is certainly discussion because, again, I'm definitely not the expert in it. People who have cancer and people who are undergoing treatment and have the fatigue, you guys have got most of the answers and I can just facilitate some of that discussion. What are your best try this at home hints for somebody that would really like to start working towards tackling that fatigue? Definitely sit. If you can sit, sit. You're going to save so much energy doing that. Another one that I would definitely suggest to people is delegating. If you can get somebody else to do it, please get them to do it. Get them to make the bed, get them to mow the lawn. If you can get some services in, get them in. That's going to be really useful in the long run. Another thing is keeping track of things. So keeping it a diary or keeping a to-do list, keeping some appointments in your phone, something to refer back to. So if you are feeling really tired or if your brain's not quite working the way that it used to, you've got something to refer to. You've got a little reminder in place to keep you on track. So it's very exciting that you guys are going online. If people want to get involved with our Fed Up With Fatigue program, because we are going online, it's going to be a lot easier to get into. The other thing would be to try and find an occupational therapist that might be able to help you. Absolutely. You'll be able to contact your local service provider or your local hospital and ask to speak to an OT about some fatigue management strategies and they'll be able to pop in a referral as well. Do most OTs know about this or is it a specialised area? Most OTs will have a, a pretty good idea 
about fatigue management and some different strategies to put in place. I think cancer-related fatigue can be a little bit different to fatigue in general, but OTs will certainly be a great person to help with this. It's not just an OT area though as well. It's really important to have your dietitian involved. They can help you with getting some food in, making sure you've got enough energy to actually put energy out, getting an exercise therapist or exercise physiotherapist involved and they'll be able to support you to make sure that you're moving your body in the right way. If you're having trouble managing that 20 to 30 minutes a day, they can give you some really good advice and some really good ideas around what you should and shouldn't be doing and also making sure that your oncologist and your GP are on board. They know that you're having fatigue. They know that you're having issues with sleep because they can also put some things in place to help support you. The Fed Up With Fatigue course operates through Ballarat Health Services and they're hoping that you might be interested in joining one of their courses or taking a look at how they might be able to help you manage fatigue in your cancer treatment. But if you're not based in Ballarat, there might be a similar program that's close to you. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are more in the Cancer Survivor Guide where you can find out more about how diet and exercise, for example, can help with fatigue. And there are podcasts about radiation, chemotherapy and how these treatments might be contributing to your fatigue. I'm Penny Johnston, a fellow cancer survivor. And if you found this podcast helpful, maybe you could follow up on some of Kelsey's helpful suggestions.